Are you ready for the end of the world? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. What is the end of the world? <laughs> Are you ready for the end of the world? <clears throat> yep. You are listening to the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit on your community radio. We are the community guys. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And um, I wish I could like sing like I do that wake up. You know, huh. I've been doing that for, I don't know, since 99. Since last millennium. I wonder, do we need a new promo? Yeah, maybe we need a new promo. We've been doing the same one since, you know, I mean, it came from this is the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Hmm. That's kind of like the theme. Yeah. Because we started the radio show in 99 when the end of the world was happening. Yeah, Y2K and environmental disasters. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, I can say anything I want. The world's going to end. And <laughs> it didn't end, and I kept saying anything I want. Yeah. <laughs> so We made it 16 years past the end of the world. That's pretty impressive. But, you know, we keep talking about it, you know, because we are a doomsday radio show. <laughs> we talk about climate change. We talk about politics. Both doomsday topics. Yes. <laughs> Somehow we managed to do it without... What is it? Our slogan? What is it? Enough doom and gloom with a sense of humor to slather your brain. <laughs> so you don't, you know, feel like it's doom and gloom, right? Yeah. Climate change raises a troubling question. Who gets to eat? <laughs> Who gets to eat? That is a troubling question. <laughs> Policymakers on Capitol Hill got a dire warning that climate change threatens food production, safety, and affordability. Yeah, That stark message came in a briefing by the American Meteorological Society to congressional staff members, climate scientists, and federal regulators that link climate change to a host of troubling scenarios involving worldwide food availability. My stomach just growled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, I'm getting hungry already. <laughs> just like, luckily, we live in a place that has plenty of extra food, whatever. Yeah, it's like, for now. <laughs> for now? Come on. Wednesday's briefing, I mean, this was only on Wednesday. There's, yeah. you know, still food now. Breaking news. Wednesday's briefing drew on a peer-reviewed study by the U.S. Department of Agriculture released during the Paris Climate Conference last month. That's kind of timely, you know. Yeah. That report titled, a really short and succinct title, right? <laughs> Climate Change, Global Food Security, and the U.S. Food System concluded that the effects of climate change on food will strike urban and rural populations in wealthy and poor countries alike. While the threat depends on many factors, its impact will increase by mid-century, according to the report. Under the least optimistic scenario, why would we talk about the optimistic scenario? We <laughs> yeah. are a doomsday radio show. Yeah. I mean, you can always hope that suddenly everything will be fine and sunshine and rainbows, but you got to at least prepare for... What may come? The least optimistic scenario, based on high carbon emissions and low international cooperations to combat climate change. Wait, that's normal. <laughs> yeah. That's not <laughs> Surely that would never happen. I mean, um, agricultural yields 
could fall by as much as 15% and food prices could rise more than 30% by 2050. Well, we can combat this really easily by not buying things from out of our region, yeah. you know, buying things locally. Um, and so, you know, even if it reduces a little bit and prices go up a little bit, we don't have to pay for transportation and we don't have to pay for, you know, large scale agribusiness. Yeah, that could so. be a big plus. I mean, unless your whole region gets ruined by the effects of climate change. Quote, climate change puts the world's food security at risk through both direct and indirect factors, said Margaret Walsh, an uh, ecologist in USDA's climate change. Wait a second. The USDA has a climate change office? <laughs> Apparently. That's and and they have an ecologist who works there? <laughs> yeah. This is groundbreaking news. This is groundbreaking news. That's part of what gets me about this story is that you know, the U.S. government has been known to downplay climate change and ecological concerns. But here, the U.S. government is saying this is a problem. If, it, if it's gotten so bad that the U.S. government realizes it's a problem, that's pretty serious. Yep. There are many complex factors that have to be considered when assessing the threat to food security. But the main one is widespread drought caused by climate change could. I mean, it could. <laughs> decrease crop production i mean it yeah could. i mean here we're having the exact opposite widespread rain has been making it rot in the fields yeah well and that's one of the big problems is it disrupts the flow of water like the regularity of it if you have a similar amount of rainfall but then suddenly you have a drought and an intense storm instead of having it balanced throughout the year that's going to be really bad for agriculture i mean i'm not a farmer but i, I know from farmers that you want to have the rain come more gradually instead of a drought for most of the year and then suddenly it pours and the ground can't soak it up. Hey, that works in money economies. Like, you know, you can just not work and then just have like, you know, a Powerball win. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that works for most people, right? Yeah. Well, maybe that's why some economists don't seem to understand the impacts on agriculture. They think like, oh, they're getting the same amount of rain. It's fine, right? <laughs> no big deal. But drought, flood. Drought, flood. <laughs> yeah. Or you could just be like California. It's been a drought for a long time. Yeah. And yet that's where we get most of our food. So yeah. I'm surprised prices haven't gone up considering they're like, what, on their fourth year of drought? Something yeah. Something like that. I know almond prices have gone up. Yeah. I'm sure prices are starting to climb. They're very decisive on California. They decided, we're going to go with drought. <laughs> Here in the Midwest, we like drought sometimes, flood sometimes. In California, they just went with drought. You mean you get to decide what <laughs> climate change you get? Well, not really, but whoever's, <laughs> whoever's doing all the emissions gets to decide that we all get climate change. Wow, okay. <laughs> thank you, everybody. <laughs> yes, Way to go. Thank you for your emissions. Uh, here's other news that's related to water, actually. The EPA issues emergency order over Flint water crisis, and the administrator who oversees Michigan resigns. The, the Michigan overseer. That's like... <laughs> The slave driver for the whole state? <laughs> yeah, well, the Environmental Protection Agency overseer for the state. Now, I, d I did think something interesting, that it's it's not okay to give brown liquid to kids unless it's a soda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's a soda, it's fine, but if, it, if it's lead, not so much. So here's the news. The Environmental Protection Agency said Thursday evening, I see late breaking news, uh, that the authorities in Michigan had failed to properly respond to an ongoing crisis involving lead-poisoned water in Flint, Michigan, saying it would begin testing the city's water and ordering an independent review of what happened. 
I mean, didn't we figure this out like a month ago? Yeah, I mean, we I found could... this out, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago, and it still, it still isn't being fully dealt with. So the EPA is stepping in and doing more testing. So the EPA announced that Susan Hedman, the agency's administrator who oversees Michigan, has resigned in the wake of the crisis. Hedman offered her resignation effective February 1st, and Gina McCarthy, who heads the agency, accepted it, the EPA said in a statement. Okay, so the EPA, who kind of really didn't do anything here, are feeling guilty. Yeah, they're feeling bad because they're... But the people who actually did it are like, let's keep going, we're fine, just drink, drink. (laughs) Yeah. So... Outrage has mounted in Flint over lead that seeped into the city's water supply, an issue that has sparked, of course, heated criticism and questions about why it took so long for local concerns about the water to be heated. I mean, I think the best part is the people are saying, I'm not paying my water bill. Hmm. You weren't giving me water. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, and they're getting shut off. So yeah, and that's in this. It's not in this story, but they are. It's ironic. People are saying, "I'm not paying my water bill because you poisoned me with lead," and then the city is shutting off their water. <laughs> like, well, maybe it's for the best if it's filled with lead, but yeah. it's not a very nice thing for the city to do. Yeah, it's like. And yeah, as you were saying, there's still people in the city who are who are trying to justify their actions, and that's part of why the EPA's response was a problem in this case is because the local. And state officials weren't taking care of the issue. And so then that's when the EPA is supposed to step in and and do something about the problem. But they didn't. And so now the EPA is trying to alter their response. So uh, here are the quotes. The EPA's previous response to Flint was, frankly, part of the problem. Henry Henderson, the National Resource Defense Council's Midwest director, said in a statement, This new, more urgent approach shows different thinking from the top reflects awareness that the situation in Flint is unacceptable, and it points the agency in the right direction. The right direction meaning do your job like you're supposed to <laughs> yeah. instead of listen to politicians that say don't do your job. Yeah. Just like. <laughs> and here's an important point, too. Uh, he also says, we remain very concerned that the people of Flint cannot simply rely on agencies that have to date utterly failed them. So they're going to have to keep advocating for their own needs, just – I mean, because testing is good. You know, it's good that they're going to do more testing and get more evidence. But sometimes all they do is testing and then they say, well, here's a problem. Oh, well. And they don't don't take enough action to resolve it. And lead in drinking water is very serious. I mean, lead has such bad effects on human health. There's, I I can't even imagine if I lived in Flint right now. I'd be really flinty. (laughs) Yeah. On the other side of the world, it's summer. Australia's two largest solar PV plants completed doubles large-scale capacity. That's right. The Australian utility AGL and global solar PV manufacturer and provider First Solar have completed Australia's two largest solar PV plants, doubling the country's total solar capacity. The 102 megawatt and the 53 megawatt solar projects are the two largest in the country and released completion this week and are now feeding electricity into the national grid thanks to 2,044,140 solar panels about. Yeah, 2 million, that's a lot of solar panels. It's just like, 
So yeah, and together the plants are now producing approximately three hundred sixty thousand megawatt hours of renewable energy annually. That's the equivalent of powering more than fifty thousand average Australian households, or probably about twenty American households. <laughs> twenty. <laughs> 20,000 or 20? 20. 20. <laughs> Just like. Yeah. No, they're actually, they actually are pretty heavy energy consumers over in Australia, too. Well, especially, I mean, I don't know this summer so far, but last summer they were getting like 130 degrees. Yeah, like lethal heat, heat, waves. heat waves. Yeah, so lethal heat waves. So their air conditioning's going up, I'm sure. Here's a quote Australia has some of the most intense sunshine in the world, and there is obviously an increasingly bright future. For large-scale solar in this country, said Clean Energy Council Chief Executive Kane Thornton. I see what he did there. Bright future. <laughs> it's like, so. Um, yeah. In the future, this historic achievement will mark the moment big solar started to become a major contributor to Australia's energy supply. Well, they just doubled it. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. A day that will go down in history for Australian solar. That's good to see, too, because, I mean... Australia, as it says in the article, it is a very sunny country. There's a lot of sunshine for them to harvest. I think of like just seeing the the Mad Max movie and there's all these bright, sunny desert landscapes. And it reminded me of, wow, you know, if there's not too many sandstorms, you could have a lot of solar there. Did you just use Mad Max as a way to say we should go solar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like... Well, I mean, it's either we go solar or we end up with Mad Max. Oh, so. <laughs> that's logical. There we go. Yeah. Will... What will it take for America to go to 100% renewable? That's a good question. <laughs> well, that's the title of this article. Yeah. In 2013, Greensburg, Kansas, a town of less than 800 residents about 100 miles from Wichita, became the first city in the United States to go 100% renewable. Wait, isn't this the city that got completely wiped out by a tornado? It may be. And that then, would explain why they decided to go with solar, because if you're going to rebuild, you may as well rebuild, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, that doesn't happen usually. Usually. <laughs> so they became the first city in the United States to go 100% renewable, powering their homes, businesses, and municipal buildings via wind power. In 2014, Burlington, Vermont joined Greensburg, becoming the largest city in the United States powered by renewable energy. I've been to Burlington. A year later, Aspen, Colorado joined the coalition. To become oh, just the third city in the United States to go renewable energy. Yeah. They didn't have any like, you know, the first, the largest, the yeah. third. Yeah, well, Aspen gets the bronze medal then. <laughs> so it took three years for three U.S. cities to make the transition to 100% renewable energy. And experts in the field of renewable energy, as well as several prominent environmental groups, expect that pace only to quicken in the coming years. Just last month, San Diego... The country's eighth largest city made a legally binding commitment to transition to 100% renewable energy by 2035. There you go. That so, doesn't rhyme as not, nice as 2030. So yeah. get with the program, San Diego. <laughs> yeah. But in total, 12 U.S. cities, including San Francisco, California, Georgetown, Texas, Texas, and Ithaca, New York, have made commitments to transition to 100% clean energy, though many have yet to solidify these commitments as law. Yeah. It's a Texas city. Yeah, it's even not even in Austin. <laughs> you mean there are people outside of Austin and Texas who are working on solar? That's good to hear. Quote, there are a lot of cities right now that are setting goals or talking about setting goals. 
Joyce McLaren, a senior energy analyst at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. There is a murmur in the air about this at city and county levels, end quote. Murmur, 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 murmur. Yeah. And this is a good example, too, of what cities and, you know, local cities and counties can do to uh, act on climate change and act on environmental issues and, you know, help their economy, too. And uh, she actually knows firsthand what it takes for a city, having worked with the city of Aspen to make the transition earlier this year or last year, right? Yeah. Quote, Aspen was very excited about being an example to others and showing that there are challenges to overcome, but it's possible. The idea that, yes, we can do it, it is possible, is growing, end quote. Hoping to push more cities towards renewable energy transition, several environmental groups are launching campaigns this year aimed at generating commitments from cities and institutions like universities and corporations. The Sierra Club, one of the country's largest I think also oldest grassroots environmental organization just launched a new Ready for a Hundred campaign, a nationwide effort aimed at getting a hundred cities and a hundred organizations commit to transitioning to a hundred percent renewable energy. Another campaign, the Solutions Project, seeks to transition the entire United States and eventually the world <laughs> to a hundred percent. Clean energy. Yeah. doesn't say renewable energy. Notice it says clean energy. Clean energy. <laughs> which, you know, that's the old debate um, about nuclear. Hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of people who still talk about nuclear when they say clean energy because it's carbon free. Yeah. So um, just an interesting little side bit. Hmm. Yeah. So they're trying to get people to go 100% renewable. Now this brings up the question in my mind, when is Carbondale going to go 100% renewable? Ooh. <laughs> just like- Maybe we can discuss that at future town hall meetings. When it meetings. becomes Gardendale. Yeah, when it becomes Gardendale. Solardale. <laughs> Solardale. <laughs> if they spell it right, S-O-L-A-U-R. That's how yeah. you spell my name. So Sol Or. Sol Or Dale. Then it'll be your city. <laughs> I was like, I just have to start a solar city, right? Wait, there's already a company. They spell it wrong, but. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to some of these holidays. Uh, Friday is National Blonde Brownie Day. Wait a second. That's not a brownie. <laughs> yeah. That's a cake. That is more of a cake. That's Brownie is supposed to be, you know, brown chocolate <laughs> <Just> brownie. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fool me. I don't know. It's like they have like the one that's like half and half, like the swirl one. Yeah. Those are okay. But I don't know. Blonde brownie, they <laughs> actually made a day. A whole day for them. <laughs> okay, someone's going to have to prove to me that this is a brownie. That's like white chocolate. Yeah. Coming up on Saturday is National Pie Day. Ooh, maybe a chocolate pie. And National Handwriting Day, which I will not participate in. I do not have good handwriting. <laughs> maybe it's a day to practice. And Measure Your Feet Day. <laughs> so measure your feet next to a pie and then write about it. Yeah. Here's an exciting one on Sunday, Beer Can Appreciation Day. It's also Compliment Day. So do you compliment someone for picking up the beer can off the street? Or do you appreciate that you have a beer can in your hand? Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe you've got a beer can in your hand while you're picking the cans off the street. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) that's appreciation. Yeah. Monday is Bubble Wrap Appreciation. Wait, they don't need a day for that. Yeah. It's like, do anybody not appreciate bubble wrap? 
I do not like the new bubble wrap. It does. It's environmentally friendly or something, and it doesn't pop. Doesn't pop as well. Yeah. It's also it's opposite day, so you can show your disappreciation of bubble wrap if you want. Oh, Tuesday is spouse's day. You can show celebrate love for your spouse. Wednesday is chocolate cake day. Now that's, Finally, there that's we what go. I'm talking about. But it's punch the clock day. So you punch the clock before or after you eat the chocolate. Yeah. Cake. Well, if the clock tells you to stop eating chocolate cake, then you better punch that clock. <laughs> so Wednesday is punch the clock day. Thursday is fun at work day. Yeah. So it's also data privacy day. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, you know that guy Data. <laughs> oh yeah, Data. You want from, some privacy? Yeah, it's from Star Trek. <laughs> Disconnect him from the internet for a few days. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, every day your data is private, but especially on Thursday. I think we should just do the exact opposite. Make everything completely wide open, <laughs> and just there'll be no because right now information Maybe. is money. Yeah. If you just say I don't care about anything, we'll just let everybody know about everything. I think that's what that group Anonymous is trying to do, right? Yeah. They're just like saying, you mess with the world, your information is no longer private. So The secrets will be revealed. Via kazoo. <laughs> yes. Where did that come from? <laughs> National Kazoo Day. Oh, that's next Thursday. Yes. Have you noticed the, the ice skating ring downtown? I have. It does. Well, the whole town has been ice skating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is specifically for ice skating and it's fundraising money for um that wonderful thing that's coming the carbondale water park so the ice rink set up in the carbondale's downtown square is open fridays from noon until six also saturdays and sundays and noon until six i think that's the only time it's like friday saturday and sunday right yeah um you know basically it's a fake I don't know. Fake is the right word. It's an artificial, <laughs> artificial, <ice>. synthetic. <laughs> it's just like basically, it's a slick surface when you wear these special like ice skates, and you get to go skate around. All the proceeds will go to construct the Carbondale Super Splash Park. <laughs> yes, and also coming up, we have the Carbondale Community Farmers Market, and this isn't just. Your usual farmer's market, there's a special event going on there to, uh, Saturday, too. It's the CSA Fair. What's the CSA? Well, CS I know. I just <laughs> theoretical question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do. Well, that's <laughs> part of what we do on radio. You ask the leading question, so I get to give the answer. Oh, really? <laughs> so you can – why don't you ever do that to me? I like to be smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we go. What's so, a CSA? Well, it's a CSA. Well, CSA is Community Supported Agriculture. At the fair, people can meet and talk with farmers, offering farm-fresh products through an arrangement known as a CSA, or Community Supported Agriculture, while stocking up on this week's harvest and enjoying baked goods. In addition to fresh vegetables, CSAs, uh, Southern Illinois growers offer cut flower and herb shares, mushroom shares, and egg shares. So basically, you pay uh, to get a share, and then you keep getting the food or other products from the farmer. I mean, basically, you pay like upfront when the farmer needs to buy seeds and fertilizer and, you know, prep their fields, and then you get to have the bounty. Yeah. Because so. your consumers are purchasing shares or subscribe by paying a portion of their share at the beginning of the season, which is the time when most farmers have their biggest expenses for seed and planting. 
And then as the crop grows, as a CSA member or subscriber, you'll receive a box of the harvest each week throughout the season. It's an arrangement that's good for consumers and farmers alike because, you know, the it helps the consumer because they, they lock in the, all the good and they veggies. And they get a lot more for their buck. Yeah. Um, sometimes they won't get, you know, you won't get exactly what you want because, you know, it's what's in season, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to get a lot of food um, and, and a lot of good food. Yeah, and it's good. you know that- the farmer. I mean, it's like, you know, buying from your favorite artists or musician or... Wait, farmers are artists? <laughs> yes, they're food artists. There you go. <laughs> and artists of the land. And it's great, too, because... You know, I would like to eat more uh, seasonally and eat more locally, but it's often hard to motivate myself if I'm just thinking of it as an abstract thought. But if I get a subscription and then get a box of local veggies or mushrooms every week, then that'll... Uh, mushrooms, they veggies, show up. Yeah. flowers. It's like... They, um, do you have extra stuff sitting around your kitchen? Mm-hmm. That's one of those another theoretical like leading questions, right? Yes. There's the kitchen gadget swap. I actually did this last year and like took stuff. I didn't know about <laughs> it. I just showed up and it was at the end. Yeah. Saturday, two to four p.m. at the co-op community room. Bring your clean kitchenware, gadgets, and small kitchen appliances that are in good working condition to swap with others. Unclaimed items will be donated to the Women's Center in Carbondale to help families make a new start. This is a completely free event. If you have questions, please see a cashier or contact Courtney at Courtney at neighborhood.coop. And again, that's Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. in the co-op community room. Good deal. What oh. else is happening Saturday? Also coming up on Saturday, Chris Mahanaquanzadan. How do you say that? Chris Mahanaquanzadan. Way to go. I've said it enough times that I could probably say it's 10 times fast, but I'll spare you that trouble. Chris Mahanaquanzadan is Guy House's annual interfaith celebration of all winter holidays. So it's coming up on this Saturday, and it's starting at 6 p.m. with a potluck. 7 p.m. is going to be Candy Davis with folk music. 8 p.m., there's going to be a short presentation about Free Again. If you're not familiar with Free Again, they do wildlife rehabilitation, and they are going to be bringing uh, one or more of their animals to show off and introduce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not the animal, but <laughs> well, I try. Yeah, it was a good impression. It's, and they do good work with wildlife rehabilitation, and it's showing off what they do. There will also be at 8 p.m. We're trying to get together some WDBX DJs to do a DJ spin party over at Guy House. There will also be other things going on like arts and crafts and games. Poetry coming up at 9.30 p.m. by the Transportic Playground. They do a bi-weekly poetic expression over at Guy House. And 10 p.m., Kevin Henshold. So all sorts of fun things going on on Saturday. Guy House, 913 South Illinois. It's a $10 cover charge, $5 for students. For more information, including advanced tickets and all the other details, you can email director at rgaiahouse.org. Lots of fun community stuff. Also at Gaia House, Free Cycle. What is Free Cycle? Where unwanted stuff finds a new home. Next Tuesday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., 
Got stuff you really don't need, or more importantly, want, but it's still decent? Clothes, trinkets, toys, household items, musical. I sound like a <laughs> infomercial. Yeah. <laughs> Move it to someone who can use it. You're invited to bring it by Gaia House Tuesday through Thursday from 12 to 8 p.m. Looking for household clo- clothing items or Valentine's gift. I always end up getting some good books. Mm. I like, I never can have enough books. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So, I mean, unfortunately, I like read them and then I need new ones. Yeah. You know, so. And it's really fun just to see what shows up too, you know, because one person's trash is another person's treasure. And at the end of the week, event organizers will take what's left to the, the thrift shop. This is sponsored by Keep Carbondale Beautiful. SIU Sense, Students Embracing Nature, Sustainability, and the Environment, and Guy House. Yeah. So. That's a fun Free cycle. Yeah, free cycle. You know, reduce, reuse, recycle. This is your reducing and reusing, so. And regifting. And regifting. I like regifting. Yes. It's like, feel free to give me presents, because if I don't like it, I'll give it to somebody else. Yes. It'll find a good home Even if I do like it, I tend to, (laughs) the more I like something, the more attached I feel to something the more I try to give it away because I don't want to be tied down by material things unless it's money, you know, of course, <laughs> that yeah. ties me down good. <laughs> so it is winter. Winter is coming. because snow is here, it's warmer than it was a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Did you know that snow is like a blanket? It warms everything up. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep telling myself that. A nice, comfortable blanket for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you next week on the radio. Stay warm out there.